3: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: On this episode, how to preserve your privacy in a digital age.
4: Your home address should never leave your lips or ever be connected to your name. You know, use P.O. boxes, digital delivery, Uber around the corner instead of to and from your house, etc. And just start thinking about how you expose your data and start plugging the leaks at the source.
1: If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash planet.
3: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres, Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
1: Welcome to your Friday. Gabriel Custodiat is a privacy researcher, consultant, and author of the recent book, The Watchman Guide to Privacy, which explains how to reclaim one's freedom, security, and peace of mind in a merciful and focused 200 pages. What he does reveal about himself is his background in cybersecurity, which led him to research and eventually consult about privacy in the broadest sense possible. Financial, physical, legal, etc. But that's only the surface. Gabriel agrees with Aristotle that the how and why are much more important than the what. And for this reason he enjoys, above all, helping others to understand the deeper philosophy that undergirds privacy and freedom, which he sees as two sides of the same coin. His newsletter, and in-progress second book, examine the world events and systems that threaten privacy and the individual. He'll remain an avid defender of privacy and the authentic living it can foster until his dying breath. More of my conversation with Gabriel Custodiet when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Here's a resolution for 2021. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon-60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS-60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS-60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS-60 Organic Oil. To order your Miracle Molecule ESS-60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast, or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout.
3: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres, Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
1: Welcome to your Friday, Gabriel Custodiat is a privacy researcher, consultant, and author of the recent book, The Watchman Guide to Privacy, which explains how to reclaim one's freedom, security, and peace of mind in a merciful and focused 200 pages. What he does reveal about himself is his background in cybersecurity, which led him to research and eventually consult about privacy in the broadest sense possible, financial, physical, legal, etc. But that's only the surface. Gabriel agrees with Aristotle that the how and why are much more important then the what and for this reason he enjoys above all helping others to understand the deeper philosophy that undergirds privacy and freedom which he sees as two sides of the same coin his newsletter and in progress second book examine the world events and systems that threaten privacy and the individual he'll remain an avid defender of privacy and the authentic living it can foster until his dying breath hey gabriel welcome to conspiracy unlimited how are you
4: I'm doing great, Richard. Um, I'm glad to be here. I know that privacy is a serious sub-theme for a lot of your guests, and so I'm here to talk about it uh, per se.
1: You know, it's interesting if you were to talk to a lot of younger people, let's say people that were born in the 80s or 90s, maybe. If you were to ask them about privacy and why it's important, I'm thinking the answers might be kind of distressing. I don't think younger people... Appreciate privacy, or even think about it much anymore. What do you think?
4: Well, that's a funny question, and I, I kind of comically start my uh, my guide to privacy by uh, mentioning Mark Zuckerberg, who at one point said, "You know, privacy was no longer a social value." Um, and this was a young Mark Zuckerberg, and of course, uh, almost immediately after that, or within a year, he purchased all of the estates around his, his own estate and, and in the Bay Area um, for privacy reasons. And then the next year, he purchased a private island uh, in Hawaii. So I think when people say that you know, they don't believe in privacy, et cetera, et cetera, um, a lot of that is a, a misconception uh, about what they mean by privacy. It, it doesn't mean You know, you're hiding absolutely everything. Obviously, we want to expose some things to other people. Obviously, we benefit from social interaction. But there are some things, um, and you know, if you get to the type of status of Mark Zuckerberg, or not even that because you see these days with all the protests, you know especially the recent protests that uh, who you are what you stand for uh, people can come after you for that um, and so it's very important to have a certain bedrock of privacy particularly uh, you know so that when you go home at night you don't have to worry about anything happening um, you don't have to worry about people coming to get you so i think everybody absolutely everybody can agree to that understanding of privacy
1: you write that privacy and freedom are two sides of the same coin explain why is privacy so integral to having a free society?
4: Right. Well, privacy is the most important thing that we have as humans. Um, you, you might say if you're religious that you know salvation is most important, but you know think about it without a private reflective moment, you wouldn't be able to pray or even have the mental space to consider God. You wouldn't be an individual or a thinking thing. So privacy is the bedrock of a free human existence. It's the bedrock of free will itself. So, you know, that's why in 1984, for example, the protagonist, Winston, only comes to self-reflection because he has a sliver of private space in his apartment where he isn't being watched. And that's crucial. Uh, You know, everywhere else are cameras or the propaganda noise polluting his ears. Only in that sliver of private space And only after some time does he come to understand that he is an individual and that everything around him is designed to pierce his bubble of privacy and thus, I guess, replace his personality.
1: It seems to me that in a free society, privacy serves as an important system of checks and balances against governments and and even corporations. So privacy provides a limit on, on government power and even the power of private sector companies.
4: Well, of course, that's absolutely the case. Um, so, in in the inter- introduction to my book, you know, I talk about, um, you know, for example, how, uh, you know, governments killed by some estimates 270 million people in the last century. So there's this, you know, the superstition that government is here to help you or protect you, or that you agree to this so-called social contract. Um, and you know, we're starting to realize, especially during the lockdowns, that you know, government has the ability to enslave. Um, And, you know, when we're talking about, for example, the legal realm, um, I give the statistics in the United States, you know, there are one million lawyers for every 300 people. Um, And that's not a good thing. You know, they need work to do and their job is to sue people and to practice what's called extended liability, where someone is always to blame for anything that happens to anyone. Um, So in the U.S., you have one in 20 people that will spend time in jail. Uh, many for non-violent or victimless crimes. You have private prisons that need full capacity and that lobby for more numerous and stringent laws. You know, you have burglars who can sue you if they trip on an object in your own house and hurt yourself, uh, hurt themselves. Um, you know, and of course, judges these days don't exist so much to make laws. Um, make sure that they're interpreted honestly, but to make sure that punishment is given. Um, And this is what I call the, you know, in my book, the legal industrial complex. So there are all these things that we don't really think about. And, you know, privacy is the answer to all of that, right? If you, you know, if you properly hide your investments and wealth, then you're less likely to be targeted by this system or by tax agencies. Um, You know, if you don't reveal your home address, uh, then, you know, you don't have to worry about lunatics coming to your house Based on what you stand for politically, um, and so you know, privacy is the bedrock. Um, there's, we, we can't, uh, you know, we can't speak freely. We can't have a, a baseline of, of, of freedom um, without privacy. And so, you know, one more example, um, you know, in in the in the UK, uh, you know, the police in Manchester. I think this was the last year. You know, they were tweeting out how you should, you know, watch out for people talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, and more recently, the Scottish Parliament has passed a law, or is about to, uh, which punishes so-called hate speech, even in your own house. Um, and so I, I've said that the UK has taken its own George Orwell as inspiration, uh, and not as a warning. Um, and so this is really fundamental. Um, that uh, you know. Another example: The Wall Street Journal came out with a pretty good article a year, a year or so ago, um, and they were talking about how you get different results if you search for something on Google versus DuckDuckGo, um, and so that's because Google gives you what they want or what they think you want based on your location and past searches, etc. Um, so you know, basically, privacy is nothing less than you know reclaiming your world for you, you know, whether that's from tech companies uh, or the government.
1: You know, one of the, the, the few things that we truly have at the end of the day is our, our own reputations. And so talk to me about the importance of privacy in, in managing and protecting our own our own reputation.
4: Right, that's, that's another good point. And that's another thing that's, um, that's one of these other things that we don't often consider. So you have these entire services these days. And one example I use is, I think it's called FAMA, F-A-M-A. And basically what it does is, uh, you know, a company... Will hire. Will use this program, and they will search through every single thing that you've said on social media. And you know, one guy took a, a photo of this on Twitter, and it was 300 pages of his of his tweets, all categorized according to certain labels. And of course, we all know somebody. We all know there's tons of examples of people who have been fired uh, based on what they've said, um, or you know, people who. They've gone back into their history and found X, Y, and Z, right? And so, if you're practicing, uh, you know, good privacy measures, um, which we can talk about, uh, that stuff doesn't happen because you're right that the information that is online can cost you your job, um, it can cost you money, it can cost you your freedom, it can cost you all kinds of stuff. You know, in the era of big data, uh, you know, the information is everything, and your reputation these days rests on what information that you have exposed online.
1: There's that famous quote from Benjamin Franklin most people know and that is those who give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither. And today we could insert the word privacy in there just as easily those who give up privacy for a little bit of security deserve neither, but that's what we're told by government, by society, in some cases by our peers. We need to give up some privacy in order to be safe, safe from terrorist attacks. We need to allow governments to spy on citizens because the enemy is within and so forth. Talk to me a little bit about how we have gradually given up a lot of our privacy, most of our privacy, for this false sense of security.
4: Well, that's an excellent point, Richard. So you're right. There's this argument that many a politician or head of a spy agency, and you know that should give it away right there, um, has made that basically amounts to, you know, protecting our security is more important than protecting our privacy. Um, and so you know, there's a famous quote from uh, you know an NSA consultant, and he says, "Privacy and security are a zero-sum game, right?" Um, and I like to you know quote uh, Dwight Eisenhower uh, in return, who says, "If you want total security, go to prison." Uh, And that's a good point because, you know, security is not our goal as a society. Freedom is, right, if we even had to make that choice. But I don't think we have to, is is the main thing. Um, And, of course, you have to ask the question, who is providing the security, right? You know, the government that last century killed 270 million people, the police who can come into your house and gun you down and claim that you were reaching for a weapon. But here's a broader point. We can see this, uh, this cult of security boiling up around the COVID lockdowns. You know, so long as something out there is killing one person, that warrants government intervention to destroy everything um, and turn everyone into house slaves. I mean, um, ask yourself right now, if you live in a country where you can't even leave your house or, or go beyond your street, how are you not a prisoner? And in the cult of security, you see a few things. First, it's never so much about security, but power. Right. The Patriot Act defended itself by being about American security. Right? How did that go for Americans? So don't forget that when you demand your security, um, and look at all the other, you know, psychopathic legislators who aren't even following these COVID guidelines. So recognize that this euphemism—what this euphemism "security" actually means, right? Government simply desires to expand its power like any organism or entity on Earth. And it will use any language, security or or terrorism or protecting children to accomplish this. Um, And I say that security and privacy are your business and your business alone. Um, But a final quick point is that privacy is actually the best kind of security. If people don't know who you are, if you live out of the way, if you have the correct privacy mechanisms to lock down your house, if you haven't revealed anything about yourself, you know, if you have an escape plan, if you don't reveal your politics, if you have second passports, all the things I talk about in my guide, then that's more security than a law or a police force can give you. Uh, And the example I like to use is, you know, remember Anne Frank, right? the diary of Anne Frank. Uh, She and her family were hiding from the laws, and they were hiding from the police.
1: Excellent point. We don't think about it in those terms often. Where is that line, though, between Seeding a little bit of privacy and security. So for example, when we travel, we allow the TSA to uh, search through our our, our luggage, to, to pat us down, to screen us in order to make sure, you know, no one's smuggling a weapon or a bomb onto the plane and, and so forth. Where is that line? Where is that balance to be struck between privacy and safety?
4: Well, yeah, and that's a fair point. And I guess at that point you get into, um, you know, basically, you know, what are your politics? But the way I see it is, um, I think there are a couple of ways to, to look at this. For example, you can you can look at the TSA, and you can look at all the studies that show they don't actually uh, find all kinds of things that, you know, slip through their grasp. But, you know, the way I see it at a more fundamental level is the more intervention by governments that you allow into your life, the more it's only going to grow and grow and grow. And so, I you know, from my perspective, I think that we need to ensure that we take care of our own security as much as we can. And I think it's well within our ability as, as people to take care of much of our security. For example, if somebody is breaking into your house about to gun you down, you know, the police, they're not going to help you in that you know moment, right? It's going to take them some time to get there. So it's what you've just asked is basically, you know, a fundamental question. Um, that we're all asking and we all continue to ask. Uh, And as far as I'm concerned, I think a lot of the problems in the world exist because we have allowed our security to be offloaded to the government and we've stopped taking care of a lot of that ourselves.
1: One of the responses you'll get from people when there's a new security measure put in place is, uh, well, if you've got nothing to hide, then why worry about it? which to me is a very disturbing response. For example, up here in Canada, one of our provinces, Quebec, just instituted a curfew because of COVID. So you're not allowed to leave your house after eight o'clock between the hours of 8 p.m. and 5 a.m., you must remain in your home. But one of the responses you'll get up here in Canada from people, again, very distressing, is where would you be going after 8 p.m. anyway? Which is very similar to the well, if you've got nothing to hide, how did this happen in Western civilization? When did this disregard for privacy begin?
4: Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. And it's a question I think that goes back to the period of time that I'm particularly interested in, you know, say, about a hundred years ago, early, early twentieth century. And this is when you see uh, a lot of things start to unravel, um, as in, the government starts to expand. And as the government starts to expand, and there's all kinds of things going on uh, in this time period, but what happens is you get a kind of culture of people who think that, you know, your business is their business, right? So that in the past, you know, maybe you don't like how things are done. Well, you can leave, you can, you can move. There's a lot of opportunity to, shall we say, vote with your feet. But now these days, when we have all-encompassing federal governments, Um, where we have this sense that, um, you know, what I do uh, is your responsibility and what you do is my responsibility. Uh, It's pretty easy to see why, you know, if somebody in, you know, Vancouver is breaking a curfew, that somebody in Toronto could get upset by that because they feel that it's unsettling some kind of uh, Collective agreement that we all have and of course, you know, I I see the I see through that pretty straightforwardly I I think that's all crazy. It's it's a bad direction that we've gone in But it is something that has boiled up throughout the last hundred years I think where we have as I said offloaded a lot of the individualism that existed in you know the 19th century and before and we've decided that it is our job to police our neighbors to police ourselves as a, you know, as a large community and not simply let people do what they want.
1: More of my conversation with Gabriel Custodiat when Conspiracy Unlimited returns.
5: Hey, have you ever used cheapo air?
1: For years, and I really like it. Here's a resolution for 2021. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS-60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon-60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS-60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS-60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS-60 organic oil. To order your miracle molecule ESS-60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast, or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout.
3: If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited (laughs) with Richard Serrett.
1: Gabriel Custadiet is here, and we're discussing privacy and how to reclaim it. We've been talking about how we gave our privacy away in large measure in exchange for security. But most of our privacy has been given away voluntarily for purposes of convenience. Talk to me about how how that happened.
4: Right. And so I think one of the the great examples to imagine here is uh, the mobile phone. Right. So the mobile phone came out and it promised to be that thing which was the smartphone, I should say, which was sort of dumbed down. Right. This was hyper convenient. You don't have to. Of course, you don't have to know any code. Right. That was gone a long time ago. You don't have to know how this thing works and you don't even have, in many cases, a keyboard or or anything like that. Your interaction with this smartphone is simply you press the big shiny buttons. And so you can't mess up. um, You can't do anything wrong. It's all there. It's it's boiled down to the uh, the absolute mo- absolute most convenient thing possible, and the reason why I choose this as as a symbol of uh, of our times is that you're you're absolutely right that we're obsessed with convenience, right? We're not going to even go down the road to you know buy some food. We're going to use Uber Eats, and of course, when we do that, Uber gets a lot of our information. They're going to sell that information. Um, you know, in some cases, your Uber rides and things like this, as I've already explained, can come back to bite you legally in other ways, etc. Um, and so it's just a matter of choosing convenience um, without thinking about the consequences. Uh, and you know, these days, I think we're starting to see what some of the cons- consequences are.
1: What are some of the ways that we can protect our privacy?
4: Right. So um, I said previously that you should get off social media as much as you can. That stuff is, is pretty obvious. Um, another good bang for your buck is to migrate to private messengers and use these messengers exclusively. And so, you know, standard SMS text messages and standard phone calls, they are incredibly insecure. Right? Your telecom company knows what you're saying. This information can be intercepted by governments, hackers, you name it. I'm sure you're familiar with these devices called Stingrays, which many people know about. Um, they're, put, uh, they're put around sort of protest areas and they can suck up all this information. And so what you want to do is pick one of the good encrypted messengers, such as Signal, Session, Wire. And once you get one of these, you know, convince your family and friends to join you. Right. Uh, a lot of my clients simply tell their family that they will not be communicating with them outside of this app, um, and that tone seems to work. And so the, what makes these messengers um, private is that they are end-to-end encrypted, which means that only you and the recipient can see the message. They are zero knowledge, which means that the company itself cannot see your information. Um, and so they cannot help you back into your account, et cetera. Right? It's your responsibility to remember your passwords and all the rest. And they're open source as well, so that you can see what is happening behind the scenes and make sure there's no funny business. Um, and so um, those are two, two quick solutions. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people, when they ask for privacy advice, they want that one magical product or program or legal structure or advisor that will make everything perfect and private in their lives with the snap of their fingers. Uh, But not only is that not how it works, but it's actually impossible. And that's because privacy is inherently decentralized. Anytime you rely on something outside of yourself, you're sacrificing ownership of of that information. And so it's really important to practice the fundamentals above all. Uh, So a big thing obviously is to stop giving out your information. Your home address should never leave your lips or ever be connected to your name. Uh, I'm not being extreme about this, Richard. You know, use PL boxes, digital delivery, Uber around the corner, instead of to and from your house, et cetera. And just start thinking about how you expose your data and start plugging the leaks at the source. Most of our privacy is gone because we just give it away to anybody who asks. So stop giving, right? Don't give out your name or your address or your phone number or your email address or any of these details. If you're filling out something online, Press submit first and see what they actually need from you. Uh, Make up fake information when you can get away with it. Uh, A lot of times it's not as mandatory as you would think. I was with one U.S. client at an AT&T shop a few years ago, and they asked for the social security number, and we said, well, we're not going to give it. And so they just put all zeros and continued with no problem. So you just have to fight against the psychological instinct to comply. Do not comply. Ask questions. Refuse. Return the paperwork to the doctor office secretary with empty lines, right? Quote HIPAA and privacy laws, whatever. Say you forgot your idea at home. Just don't give out your precious data without a fight.
1: You talked about decentralization being the the key to privacy. Talk to me some more about that.
4: Right, so when I get a little bit more philosophical, sometimes I talk about privacy and decentralization being um, very similar concepts, right? So centralization is basically when the crucial aspects of a system go through a central place, right? A headquarters. And you can think about this in all kinds of ways. So, for example, you know, we've talked about the federal government a lot. When you have one uh, all-powerful government, right, they have a sort of complete vision of the whole and all of the various parts. Or you can think about this in terms of a, um, you know, a phone app, a smartphone app. And so, In a lot of applications like Facebook, for example, uh, Facebook, the central Facebook headquarters, they have access to everybody's accounts. They can see everything that's going on. The same with Gmail. Um, And so decentralization is one way of getting around this because decentralization says that there's not going to be a center through which things are processed. Right. So you can think about Bitcoin, for example, which. we can talk about Bitcoin. It's not exactly private, but it's moving in the right direction. So decentralization says that we're not going through, you know, the headquarters. We're just going to be sharing this between, you know, between users. And so, for example, torrents work kind of in this way. Um, You have some decentralized messaging apps that are coming about. Cryptocurrencies work like this. Uh, and you can think about it at a at a sort of more base level, right? Instead of going to the big store, the Walmart, uh, or what have you, um, start to learn again how to trade with people, your neighbors, uh, you know, person to person, instead of going through the centralized headquarters. Because uh, in many cases, the centralization of the world over the last few hundred years um, has been uh, the most imprisoning force, the most detrimental to privacy. It, it
1: seems though we're definitely going in the opposite direction. Uh, we're hearing things like you know the Great Reset and Build Back Better and artificial intelligence. You know the Fourth Industrial Revolution is all is all about the digital age and and the Internet of Everything. Uh, in, in some respects, it it almost seems like it's it's too late. We can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. What are your thoughts?
4: Right. Well. You know, I I think um, a lot of people are getting pessimistic these days. But, you know, there are some bright spots, right? It's true that things are getting pretty dangerous. Um, And it's not just because of government and big tech overreach. A lot of that is because, you know, we have given them that power uh, and we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Uh, But, you know, fortunately, some of the same tools that they use, we can also use. There's a, you know, there's a great article uh, during the early cryptography movement called uh, from crossbows to cryptography techno thwarting the state um, and so the author uh, Chuck Hamill he basically compares encryption to the crossbow that started taking down the you know the bullies the knights of the Middle Ages so basically encryption is a tool for fighting off tyranny and and that's true encryption means that only you and the recipient can see a message uh, and so it's been a incredible boon for the privacy community um, you do these days have uh, countries who recognize this, uh, and in fact, they're banning it. Uh, I believe Australia has actually banned encryption, um, if you can imagine that. And the EU is also talking about this, as is the United States. Um, but it still remains uh, a, a great weapon we have, um, weapon, a great tool that we have just to be, you know, speak more freely to each other. Um, and so, right, more encryption for every service uh, is, you know. that could be a possibly good future. Um, You know, you also have cryptocurrencies, which we haven't talked in depth yet. Uh, Bitcoin is not so private in the sense that it reveals all of your transactions that's kind of how it works Um, but Monero is a very private currency um, and Bitcoin itself can actually be made private uh, if you if you acquire it uh, without a connection to your name Um, and so you know if you've ever read that that great book the sovereign individual um, they kind of predict the cryptocurrency and that this would start to you know bankrupt the uh, the tax-mongering nation-state and you know institute this new era of of individual freedom Um, that's obviously a, a painful process us. Um, but I do see cryptocurrencies as a, a as a way to uh, to take back some of our power and indeed to make ourselves our own banking institutions, which is another thing that we have lost. Um, And so, you know, I've also mentioned, you know, these decentralized messengers, uh, which I'm keeping an eye on. There's not a lot of good options right now. Uh, But decentralization, I know that, you know, people like James Corbett talk about decentralization a lot. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of possibility for this. A lot of it is simply we need to get back to the roots of local communities um, and stop relying on big tech, stop relying on big government, uh, doing more things for ourselves, doing more things for our community, um, and not offloading all this responsibility uh, to to, you know, <laughs> to all these institutions. Um, and so if you think about it in those terms, yes, there are some reasons to be optimistic, even if there are a lot more reasons to be uh, pessimistic.
1: You mentioned cryptocurrency, and you do speak a lot in your book about the death of cash. That's something that we talk a lot about on this show, you know, the, the move towards the cashless society. And some people read into that kind of a, this apocalyptic vision, you know, the end times, the mark of the beast, and so forth. But let's talk about the, the death of cash. And and why it's so crucial we keep cash uh, alive. And, and is that even possible? I mean, can we keep cash alive? It seems beyond our power.
4: Well, that, that's a good point, Richard. And I give the example in my book of, I was traveling uh, in the US a few years ago and I gave somebody uh, a few $20 bills in the store and they pulled out this machine, they dusted it off and they ran every single one of those $20 bills through it. It, it was just, uh, it, it was ridiculous. You know, other times when I use cash, people kind of sort of, Look at it sheepishly as if I had asked them if they had been washed in the blood of the lamb or something. Uh, And so cash is certainly uh, being removed from the equation. Um, And you see, for example, during COVID, you know all these corn sh- coin shortages is starting to be phrased in terms of, you know, cash is dirty. It's, it's carrying that, you know, invisible enemy. And there's all kinds of examples I could give about, you know, the war on cash and, and you know, this as well as I do a few years ago, um, the prime minister of India, he banned cash of, of certain denominations. And so everybody in India had to go in and turn their cash in in order to get this new approved one. Right. And it was kind of just a power move of saying, look, all you people who are who are stocking up on your cash stocking up on your big bills uh, we can cancel that we can i think his words were we can turn that into mere paper overnight if we want to so you know in that sense cash is you know it's still uh there's still some problems with it but it remains the best option for uh you know private transactions so by all means use cash continue to use cash stop using your credit card as much as you can you know just just you know, go to the ATM, take out some bills and, you know, start some paying some people with cash. That's the only way that, you know, we can sort of hold on to this for as long as we can. And I do think that the end of cash is coming. Right. You don't have to be a doom and gloom person to, to see that. You know, just looking at recent news, they're talking about a digital currency in the EU. They're talking about a digital currency in the United States. Um, and this could certainly... Uh, get rid of cash. And that would be a nightmare for privacy, Richard, because if, if the Federal Reserve, if the government could monitor all of your transactions, then we are in a very deep trouble at that point.
1: Big tech, they seem to be in control almost in the United States. They determine who has a voice in the digital age and who doesn't. At a certain point, if they don't like your opinion, you'll be the digital version of being disappeared or cancelled. Not only that, they can they can deplatform you. They can demonetize you if you're producing content online and you're paid through uh, through PayPal. They can cut that off. How do we fight back against big tech? It's it's really a kind of a David and Goliath situation.
4: Yeah, that's very true and. One example we could go to is one that just happened the other day. Uh, if you're familiar with um, uh, Parler, Parlay, I forget how they pronounce it, uh, this basically free speech alternative to Facebook, um, they were taken down. They were taken down off the you know, the Apple App Store. They were taken down off of the Google Play Store. And one thing that people, a lot of people didn't notice about how uh, Parler was taken down was that Amazon web services, which basically hosts, uh, I think it's responsible for 50% of all the bandwidth of the internet traffic uh, in the world is my understanding. They actually refused to host Parler on their servers anymore. So this was, you know, this was kind of the baseline, right? Like you can, you know, you can kick people off Twitter, whatever. That's not good. But, you know, people were willing to accept that. But when you say that, we're not even going to let you have on have you we're not going to let you on our servers or if you you know paypal and mastercard started uh you know banning certain you know right-leaning people from even processing transactions i mean this was supposed to be the, the sort of bedrock the agreement that 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 at least was supposed to be sacred ground and now now not even that uh is protected and so when thinking about ways of getting around this you have to first of all Consider all of the systems that you rely on, right? So instead of being on Amazon Web Services for your uh, for your website hosting, and this is you know this is difficult if you're as big as Parler, but if you're a small person, you can go to a web host in Iceland or somewhere else who values free speech, uh, and you can work with them. Um, if you want to, you know, uh, run a small business, you can start taking Bitcoin and Monero, and I know there are certain serious tax consequences uh and recording that needs to go on if you're you know following the law with those but it is one option that you have um and so otherwise just start getting around all of the big tech solutions i give a lot of alternatives in my book i talk about the free software movement i talk about using linux instead of windows and mac os I talk about um, stop relying on uh, adobe and all of these always online products and migrating instead to the free open source software movement so there are alternatives you just have to be aware of them put them into practice it's going to be a little bit different but there are alternatives and we need to start focusing and learning about those now the watchman guide to privacy who's the watchman well, that, that's a good question. If you uh, if you see on the fourth or fifth page of the book, um, there's this classic line, who watches the Watchmen? And I suppose you know one of the answers to that is all of us. How do we get a copy of the book, Gabriel? So you can find that on Amazon. Uh, and I'm working on other avenues in which to sell it, but that won't be for a while.
1: And uh, is there a website?
4: Yeah. Other than that, you can find my website at uh, custodiatprivacy.com. Uh, that's C-U-S-T-O-D-I-E-T privacy.com And you can sign up for my newsletter there. But the best place to start is with the Watchman Guide to Privacy.
1: Gabriel, thank you so much. This is so important. Great work.
4: And thank you very much, Richard. Take care.
1: Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a few details about an upcoming episode. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive, commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, Coming up next time, the return of the health hunter, Dr. Cass Ingram. Can powerful herbs and spices offer some protection against viruses?
3: I'm not telling you about a cure, let's face it. I'm telling you the mechanism of action of these. Now, cinnamon does it. We did that study with cinnamon, cumin, sage. They all have this corrosive action, but oregano is the most powerful.
1: Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.